Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast present The Thieves of Dagda.
that white horses, ladies by the score, all dressed in satin, waiting by the door. Oh, what a lucky man he was. Oh, what a lucky man he was. White lace and feathers that made up his bed. A gold-covered mattress on which he was led. Wars for his country and his king of his honor and his glory. The people would sing. Oh, what a lucky man he was. Oh, what a lucky man he was. A bullet had found him. His blood ran. As he cried, no money could save him. So he laid down, and he died. And welcome to Three Witches and a Druid, where we sit around tonight, uh, coffee table. Enjoying a variety of warm and some alcoholic beverages. Unlike other nights, tonight, druids have taken over the podcast. So I'm Brian. I'm Michael. And I'm Karen. And I have uh, twisted the arms of my wife and best friend. Oh, I'm going to cry. Uh, into uh, convincing them to record our first podcast on our brand new recording equipment. So maybe we'll sound better. Even more professional. Even more professional than every other time where we've never sounded professional ever. So, but will that be because of the whole microphone setup or because there is no witches and it's all druids? That's a burn. That's a burn. Yeah. There we go. Them's them's fighting words. Just because I know I'm out of arm's reach from the others. We're going to get reader mail about this. Oh, I bet. Never actually got reader mail. (laughs) We've gotten comments, but never reader mail. So for tonight's topic, we thought we would discuss what it is that brought us into Druidry. What it is that while walking the pagan path, what, what convinced them that the Druid books were the ones to pick up? What is it that convinced them that seeking out a grove was the right thing? First, tell us who you are. Oh, my name is Michael Vandenhoek. Um, I am a business owner in rural Nova Scotia from a Dutch immigrant family. Yeah, I don't know. I'm an accountant technically by training and 
now run a greenhouse operation. You're also the treasurer of ADF. Yes, I am also the treasurer for ADF, which is pronounced Arnrachvain. Yay! Thank you, I can't do that. Which is uh, our public pagan church that uh, our grove is a part of. And yeah, it's been funny because since COVID, we've really haven't done any like the public meet and greets or or those kind of things. So it's really all of our Grove activities have been so, you know, Grove only focused or that or, or Zoom. But I mean, it's been such a focus on there from all the people that we already know that I haven't had to tell any of those kind of stories in a long time. So it's it's kind of interesting going back to that. Right. Karen, you tell us who you are. I'm uh, Brian's wife, and, and that is largely how I came to the Grove of Nova Scotia Druids. Voluntarily, uh, Well, yeah. It was, there was some browbeating. There was some browbeating. No, it was, it was eventually a choice. I've been part of the pagan community for nearly 20 years. I had always thought of myself as being eclectic, but never enjoyed the less organized aspects of some of the other groups and events that I had been to. And I think the big draw to Druidry for me was how organized and structured things were, uh, which gave me a sense of peace. And I know that does not work for everyone, but it was something that helped me a great deal. And once I got in there, I did my dedicate packet. You know, I had to read a whole bunch of wonderful books and some terrible books. And, uh, you know, it just it just felt like a good path. It was very logical. I just had to laugh because you're saying like, oh, yeah, 20 years in the pagan community. I'm like, no, that's not possible. And then I'm thinking like, Think oh, yeah, wait, I'm older than I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Much older. Yeah. Because I actually first became a member of ADF in 2005. Yeah. So and how old yeah. were you when you became a member of ADF? I can't, I can't think of I can't do that math quick. <laughs> no, no, we are we are you know well not me but you guys are a couple drinks in. No one's doing math at this no. stage. We're not that far. I'm I'm, I'm a mead horn in. So I mean, yours is a big horn. <laughs> Why? Thank you. <laughs> oh, <no. Wow. laughs> so in terms of who I am, we've already kind of covered that. I've been on the podcast before, but yeah, Brian's wife, member of the Grove of Nova Scotia Druids, part of the pagan community for 20 years. I work in human resources, big into community activity, particularly park cleanups, any type of volunteer activities that involve animals or uh, environmental causes. I like to read. I like to stab things. I recently took up cross-stitching. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. yeah, well, stabbing. There are That's a lot a of patients. Yeah. I like to camp. I like to shoot my bow. I like to... Ex- You're a bit of a survivalist. I like to experiment with preserving food, and I have a little pantry. It's good times. Yeah. yeah. There there are many pillars that I guess make one up of the, the house. <laughs> being a survivalist, you don't really talk about it, unless you have, like, an A and it's not bloody special. Fight Club, right? <laughs> well, in well, some ways, because sometimes you, you get the looks from people, right? Yeah, and it's like, also, oh, yeah, you're either part of the community or you're you not. Know what? You I also could... don't want to tell people where your stash is. That's right. It's, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. Some people think you're crazy and the other ones want to rob you. Yeah. 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 Some of them want to join you. Or some you. of them just want to be you. It's commune style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They want to they join the bandwagon. We could do a whole podcast just on that. Oh, yeah. We will definitely get that down the road at some point. What are you talking about? Oh, do a doing an episode on survivalists. No, we don't talk about that. <laughs> it's my club. <laughs> so oh, what man. what brought you in? Like, 
how did you find yourself in the Druid path? Ooh, well, long story short, it was in middle school and I was helping a friend that was really interested in researching Wicca. And I helped, I helped him try to find some resources and what we could find of reputable or quasi reputable resources back in the early days of the internet and the public libraries. Yeah, I, I helped him kind of navigate through some of those books and some of those resources. And uh, we made our first set of runes together and, um, you know, just kind of experimented a little bit on the pagan path. And it felt good, but not quite right. And then in amongst that internet research somewhere, I stumbled across ADF. And it was like, it was like coming home. It was like the moment I found it, I was like, I'm a druid. Like that's the title just kind of stuck or like the label just stuck. And it just felt so right because living out in rural Nova Scotia, I was always like, I enjoyed reading. I spent most of my time outside. My time was either with my face buried in a book or out amongst the trees. So, I mean, it just, it just called to me. And then after doing a number of, I guess, minor rituals and like little explorations, you know, down the path and, and just reading up as much as I could from like the, the resources that ADF put out there. I, I guess you could say I had like my religious experience. It was a, June night, it was like the middle of June, and uh, we were up on a mountain in camping out in, uh, I won't say where, in rural Nova Scotia, and we were having a bonfire, and there was some just crap going, just, it felt like the end of the world to me in my life, and I, I called out to the heavens, and I just, I, in a very dramatic teenage fashion, uh, you know, just like listed off my problems and, and spoke angrily into the void. Like we're talking middle of June and the cloud, the sky just opened up and we had a hailstorm and the fire just kept burning brightly in the middle of this just thunderous hailstorm in the middle of June. And it just, it just felt so raw and powerful and just part of nature. And that just, I don't know, never looked back ever since. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mine is, mine is a lot more chaotic than that. I, um. I mean, obviously, there are a bunch of like winding bits of like the minutiae in there, but I mean, that's really if you come so down to how you came to it, like big that was dramatic story. It was a big dramatic yeah, story. No, I like that. I was just thinking to myself, you know, sometimes when I when I tell people I'm druid, I feel a little pompous. Like, do you ever get that? Sometimes, like you know, just whenever I try and explain it, I always expect that the response is gonna be like, "Yeah, I play World of Warcraft too," and then just wait for like those kind of. You know, or Dungeons and Dragons. You just kind of expect that somebody would be like, "Oh, I totally know what you're talking about," but no, no, you don't. <laughs> I, I will very often say to people that I'm pagan before I bother explaining that I'm druid because they have a little bit of an easier time wrapping their heads around that, yeah. or at least that's been my experience. But when I was 14-ish, I, you know, I had a partner and we were in a a loose coven. We'll call it that. We, we It was a group of people who all came from different backgrounds. And unfortunately, the leader of that group passed um, just over a month ago now. It was, it was absolutely devastating because that woman introduced me to not only paganism, but just general self-acceptance and also the LGBT community 
she was able to tell me that it was okay to be who I was and it didn't matter what other people thought about that. And it was a perfect message at that time in my life. I stayed with that group for a few years. We went to lots of festivals. Sorry, I'm a little choked up. It's all right. Um, one of the- all right if you're choked up. One of the things that always struck me whenever we went to these festivals or this particular festival, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, APEG, was that everything started at this ridiculous thing called Pagan Standard Time, mm, which yeah. drove me bonkers. bonkers. Yep. Because if you told me to be somewhere at one o'clock, I would be there at a quarter to one and yep. I would wait patiently. And that is just who I am and who I have always been. Uh, so to have things start, you know, well after the commencement time. If it starts at all. If it starts at all. <laughs> would take me right out of the moment, as one of my my dear friends would say, it puts you in the aisle. If you're watching a movie and you're immersed in the movie or you're part of the movie and otherwise you're in the aisle. And mm. so you'd be in the aisle, you'd be removed from that moment because I would, you know, find myself in my own head, find myself wondering, you know, why if my time is not valued, am I here? And that got really frustrating to me. And so after doing, you know, a lot of reading and a lot of exploring and uh, meeting Brian a few years later, Got to know a few people in the Grove of Nova Scotia Druids. It was a lot smaller back then. Uh, now it's grown with the families and new people coming all over the place. You know, the path felt good and I wasn't, it took me a long time to commit. But then when I did, you know, I never looked back. It was, uh, it just, as you say, it felt like home, felt like family, good support. and. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You know. Just that structure that was important to me when I go into a practice. You know, you want to know that you've got the comfort of even just a few key phrases or the structure of a ritual or practices that we do every year. We've, we've got our own Grove Maypole. Yeah. We go camping every year together. What is it? Lunasa? Yeah, Lunasa. Yeah. yeah. So we have... Truth we have Yeah, Exactly. But we have traditions now that we've built and they're structured. They are Fun, they are and nice. they start on time. And they do. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but such a huge factor for well, me. It's funny you, you bring up Pagan Standard Time, because that was one of the first things we established right from the get-go, me, Mark, and Allie. When we first held that that first Lunasa ritual we did at, at APEG, we were going to start on time. And everyone else was, oh, no, we got to wait till people gather. But no, we, our ritual starts at 3 o'clock. It will start at 3 o'clock, not 2.59, not 3.01. It'll start at 3. 
And we, we even set it up in such a way that we had to deal with certain factors and we, we put people in place to deal with those factors. People arriving late, people um, dancing in our circle. It's, it's not something we did. And we, we put something in, someone in charge of those things. And we started at three o'clock and a lot of people at that festival were like, oh my goodness, I'm not ready yet. It's like, get over here because we've started. You can join five minutes in. Doesn't matter. We've already started. And yeah, we, we've kind of stuck to that ever since. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Well, the familiarity in the structure, and I know it sounds, I know a lot of people don't like that. They like to be free and they like to move. It's not that we don't have variety and that we don't, we don't feel the moment. We're often very immersed. Not every ritual is a winner, but most of them are. The structure lends a familiarity and from that familiarity you get peace it's the same as wearing your favorite comfy pajamas or slipping into just the right pair of socks you know that whatever else is coming you can handle because you have an idea of where things are going you know you're going to be comfy in those socks i know i'm going to be comfy in this ritual well and and the thing is with being on time it's still free we're just choosing our freedom to respect other people's time yeah it's a mutual respect it's it's definitely got to go yeah, both ways for sure. I like your comfy pajama analogy, but yeah, it's for me. It always just felt like that that core order ritual, like that the thing of you know those comfortable phrases, those those pieces that are always there in every ritual. It, it gives you kind of a comfort to be more in the moment. You don't have to be like uh, focusing, ra- on, focusing your sheet. on your sheet, yeah. trying to like rapidly catch up to where you are in the ritual and if you're going to miss your part. And you can actually. You know that when somebody starts doing like the Earth Mother invocation, you know, you know, the phrase that's going to be said, you know, when we say the so say we all and ritual that there's a a speak and respond that's expected. Mm -hmm. And it just gives us kind of comfort of familiarity and allows you to kind of fall into that moment. I remember both leading and participating in rituals where it's like. You know, you finish the ritual the day before that you're going to be putting it on and you're trying to like hastily prep everybody who's going to be involved and then nobody actually reads their parts and then, you know, everybody's on that day in that space. Anybody who's involved in the ritual is kind of taken out of the moment because they're just so busy trying to catch up with if they're doing it correctly or not. There's a lot to be said for that habitual practice, too. Some of those phrases and some of those sections, like you mentioned, we practically got them memorized. We've done them so many times. You don't even have to think about it. You just get to experience it. Mm -hmm. How often do you sit there and really focus on brushing your teeth? You know how to brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. And then when you're done, you just get to experience that clean mouth. That's Mm -hmm. great. Oh, beloved mother of all, from whose starry womb the green earth Mm -hmm. springs, you who are the bearer of all life, we pray you bless and And uphold this this right. right. So say we all. Yeah, so I think for myself, I found Druidry actually through shamanism. Early on, I think back in 2001, I stepped into Little Mysteries. I knew what I was looking for, but I didn't know what it was called. And it was either Amanda Smith or Vanessa Smith had directed me towards the shamanism section. I picked up Fire in the Head. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, a good title. It, it, it's a good book. Yeah. Uh, and I ran with it, like, to the point that I I got to meet the author of Fire in the Head, and I got to go to a conference, and it was amazing. And I realized, this isn't quite it. This isn't what, this is very close to what I want, but it's not what I'm looking for. 
And then I had read Sacred Balance by David Suzuki. And I said, this is what I want. This isn't a pagan book. I don't know what it's called. And so I went back to Little Mysteries and they had directed me to Druidry. And the Druid section at Little Mysteries was rather small at the time. I don't remember the first Druid book. I have to look at my bookshelf. But uh, on the important part of that was on the um, bulletin board was uh, Druids of Nova Scotia meetup at the Superstore in Dartmouth by Mick Magnum. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to that. So I went and I met uh, Mike Farmer. He was running it. And that's where I met Mark Meadows. And I met um, Scott Petty. Hmm. And we... I think we had like two or three meetings uh, and we went on a hike, but it didn't seem like the, it was an organized, it didn't seem like it was a group that really had any goals. They didn't, they didn't have any long-term plans. They just wanted to meet up every once in a while. And that was sort of it. I said to myself, I wanted more. I went to Ape. That was my first time going to APEG and me, Mark, Allie, Oh my goodness, I'm gonna feel terrible. I can't remember. There was another gentleman's name. And we sat around the fire, and that's when we created the Order of Nova Scotia Druids. And we wanted to be an organization that did something. And so we did that, and it was great. You, Michael, was actually one of our first joined members. Oh, uh, yeah. You were a little child. I I was a young man. <laughs> <laughs> and you just really enjoyed singing in the tunnels at York Redemption. That too, yeah. and also, you know, spiritual practice of druidism, but you know, yeah. sure. <laughs> and uh, you kept telling us stories about building a castle. Yes. Yes. I feel like these were all initiatives that came up post-Bardic. Post-Bardic. Oh yeah, after after a lot of drinking. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> this was around- was We're going to do something. We're going to be different. This was around Mark's giant mini camper condo. The have, tent. have you guys talked about that? Have you talked about the condo? No, I've been trying to get, I want to get Mark on because I need Mark to explain the condo. <laughs> that's, that's entirely that fair. That's totally it, fair. Mark knew glamping before glamping was a term. Yeah. He had a military tent that had multiple rooms. Yes. The queen full size kitchen. bed, full kitchen. Like, and this was in tent form. So yeah. Uh, and then the order continued, uh, you yeah i joined for a couple of meetings but i was still a teenager yeah, and i had to get up. my mom to drive me to the yeah, city so to the big city to go talk to a bunch of you know people calling themselves druid in a coffee shop i don't understand how i convinced my mother to like take but part in this was, your mom is still wonderful to this day. that that would be the same way that i convinced my parents that 14 year old karen could go to the valley and camp with a bunch of heathens. Yeah. yeah. Definitely similar conversations. Yeah. No, yeah. And then the, the order continued on for a while. Dan eventually joined. Uh, and then we took a break for a little bit. We had a, I think it was like a two year break. We were members of ADF at that point. And when we came back after that two year hiatus, ADF had added orders in its group. So we had to change our name. Was kind of annoyed because, <laughs> and then we became. I don't know. It's funny because I find order is such a pretentious word. Like, was, I think we were a little pretentious. I back guess, then. yeah. I and then we became the Grove Nose Coast of Druids, and here we are. Yeah. yeah. I like the word Grove. I think it has a it has a really good and really strong meaning. It's very appropriate. I like. Yeah. Grove. Well, for us, it very much represents family. 
that's true. This, this is our circle. But also anyway. trees, and I hear those are important. I don't know. <laughs> What's a tree? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that, that was... I found Druidry through shamanism and the community board at the Wizards. Funny how we all kind of find the path by wandering. All those who wander are not lost. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Everyone yeah. kind of has their little, I wandered here, I wandered oh. there, I found my place story. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's it's pretty cut and dry. And once you find it and you, and you know, you know where you are. And it's interesting because there's so many things, you know, I'm a huge advocate for people being made up of, many different parts and that certain parts don't serve you at different times but you know druidry and, and paganism as a whole has been something that's served me as one of the longest one of the largest and longest pillars in my house and in my life so same you know it's it, it, again it's it's not you know not to say that certain things will and won't serve serve you well at different times but i, I feel like i've just found my place and this is where i'm gonna stay one of the things i always kind of prided myself on was the fact that I always had a permanent home shrine in every apartment, every home that I've lived in since I moved out of my parents' house. Like that I I may not have maintained a daily practice every day or every year, but I always kept a home shrine. I always kept an altar um, that was active that I would that I would always come to at least for like high days or, you know, or at least sporadically to like sit down and meditate or pray or something. But uh, I've been actually, like, as part of, like, the Dedicate Path stuff, I was trying to go back and find, uh, I thought I had, like, a folder with, like, old photos from, like, my different altar setups and, like, my different homes. That was kind of neat to go through a couple of those, but I don't have, I don't have all of them, but I have a couple, and it's kind of nice. neat. Everything from, you know, my my current much more elaborate setup to, like, Back in the beginning, I had a couple of cinder blocks with a cloth over top of it. Like, Oh, wow. Actually, yeah. it's, it's funny now that you say that sparked a memory. I had a box hmm. that I hid. Mm, so of course. It was a tiny, I mean, I didn't say tiny. It was a fair-sized box, but it was still yeah. a tiny altar with many altar pieces because I was raised Roman Catholic. Hmm. I was baptized. I sang in the church choir. We went every Sunday. I did the pancake breakfast. Just never felt right. And my mom at one point had said, and I kept telling her, this isn't, this is not for me. This is not what I don't believe these things. This doesn't work for me. And she said to me, well, you go ahead and you get confirmed. Um, and once you're confirmed, you can make your own choices. So I think you get confirmed at 12. Yeah. So you, you dedicate your life to Christ and then you can make your own choices. And, and, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, she, uh, to be fair, she felt she was doing the right thing no, and I, had hoped yeah, that this was a phase that I would come in and out of. Um, but I, I did the thing. I went, I walked up, I did the, did the stuff. And then I said, okay, mom, deal's a deal. And she said, yeah, yes, it is. And I don't think it was a week before I had gone down to Little Mysteries picked up Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner by Scott Cunningham. I guarantee you we've all read that. I very carefully and surgically cut out the chapter on sex Mm. and I gave it to my mom, hoping that she, I gave it to her. Hoping that she, yes, very important factor. I gave it to her, hoping that she would, you know, help me to engage and, uh, and, and would understand why I had exploring other religions. And I think at that time I was yeah, probably 13 or so, which still, now that I'm thinking about it, really, I took the bus all the way into town, from Bedford all the way to Little Mysteries, walked into the little Coke shop, grabbed the book with my pennies and went back home. It obviously meant a lot to me, mm. even then. Now you see that, that reminds me of like my parents catching me, you know, after like making the runes and just being so upset because 
I don't even remember what the book was. No, no, I do. The Complete Idiot's Guide to Wicca and Witchcraft. I'm so proud of you right now. I know, right? It wow. was it was hilarious looking back on that, but it was actually a fairly good resource. I mean, it's funny because The Idiot's Guide to Paganism is on yeah. the dedicant, and it's honestly one of the better books I read. <laughs> Some of those books are really um, bad, though. But I remember like we had created that first set of runes and it suggested like symbolic of blood, like painting the back of those runes red and uh, my parents finding that and just like wondering or like asking if I had gotten to devil worship and the whole nine yards. And, uh, and I remember borrowing that book from Tyler to, to show to them to be like, okay, like let's read through this. I can show you like, this isn't, you know, it may sound weird, but it's not evil. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was a different experience. I think one of my favorite stories from you, Brian, was when you told your mom. Oh yes. And what did she say to you? So when I told my mom, (laughs) we were driving through Victoria Park and PEI. We were talking about religion. And my family has never been a religious family. I was never baptized. I remember going to Sunday school when I was younger, mostly because my mother, I think, wanted us to experience it and choose for ourselves. And we decided it wasn't for us, and that was fine. I think she was more than happy not to have to go to church on Sundays. And uh, she said, well, what, what, do, what religion are you? Are you a religion? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a pagan. I, I follow a druid path. And she's like, she got really quiet and said, that, that's not what Tom Cruise is into, right? And I said, no, no, <laughs> that's Scientology. <laughs> and she's like, okay, as long as it's not that, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But she was very concerned for a while I was a scientist. <laughs> just for a split second. Yeah, I had kind of a similar like upbringing. Like we never went to church. Mom was a Catholic. Dad was raised Protestant. Mom was raised Catholic. So when they married, they they said we're not doing any of the religious stuff. Yeah, they just you know tried to focus on being a good person. And I think I went to church a few times, like or like some kind of Sunday school kind of things with one of my babysitters when I was a kid. I never really felt part of that. And like I remember growing up and just feeling really like. I would always get a weird feeling going into a church, like just felt uncomfortable. Like I just wasn't wanted there. Like it was, it was a really strong, like I've, uh, there's certain churches like that I've walked into that you just, I get a sense, I get a feeling of something there. And it's like, this is not good mojo. This does not want me here. I don't think I've ever experienced that because I've always been, and this is going to be a terrible thing to say, I've always viewed a church as something Mother Guys is going to consume. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. That is not where I expected but that to go. That's how, not at all where I expected that to go. How many times have we walked through abandoned churches? A lot of Oh, yeah. Churches. A lot of it. And uh, in all honesty, I think those are the most peaceful places. The places where Mother Nature is just taking everything back. Yeah. I've always, always had this fantasy of us someday finding land, and on that land is an old abandoned brick church that's just sort of being reclaimed by Mother Nature. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why, but yeah, I love, I just love that concept. Well, this was fun. Well, good. So this was our first test run with our new equipment. I'm sure it'll sound excellent. And we thank you for listening. And uh, thank you, Michael and Karen, for joining me on this test run. Uh, and if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook under Three Witches and a Druid. If you would really like to support us and possibly 
purchase our poor video editor coffee, you can support us at patreon.com slash rewitchesandadruid. And I think we're up to possibly purchasing her one double-double at Tim Hortons. I think we can do a little bit better. <laughs> Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, and Jennifer. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content. And we thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Merry meet. Merry Merry part. And merry meet again. Blessed be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.